Hey, it's Madison, the Black Eagle, and here's a highlight from today's show. Dick Gregory was one of the greatest political comedians to ever live. In about six more months, they're going to be forced to hire Negro bus drivers in Mississippi, so we're growing steering wheels so they can drive from the back of the bus. <laughs> the stage presence was so me. smooth. Dick Gregory changed the entire landscape of stand-up comedy. Football is a fair sport for my people. Only sport hey, in the hey, world. Well, hey, I got it, I got it. That, that, that's from the trailer of this uh, amazing, and saying documentary is an understatement, of, and, and it, it, it's going to uh, debut on Showtime uh, July 4th, which is so appropriate, the uh, one and only Dick Gregory. And Johansi uh, Macabella, Dick's uh, one of Dick's younger sons, and Lillian Gregory, my 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 sweetheart, my lady, and and Sherry's standing right here next to me, and she would not. You're not jealous, are you, Sherry? No, because I have such respect for oh. Lillian Gregory. Hey, Lil. But, hey, Johansi. But I got to tell you, I can't compete with Stevie Wonder because <laughs> I saw. I saw a video, you know, and I got to tell you, hell of a birthday present when Stevie Wonder serenades you on your birthday. But that's another story. And Lillian Gregory, thanks. And Johansi, thank you for coming on the show. Now, I know Sirius XM is all over the place with uh, uh, with Andre and Christi- uh, Christian, and, and they're going to be doing interviews. But I, you know, I just wanted to do something uniquely different. And that is to really get into uh this documentary um let me let me ask uh, uh Lillian was there anything about the documentary when you first saw it that surprised you hello hello hi yeah. how are you hi oh hi okay i'm sorry i just now heard your voice <laughs> oh okay well i'll i'll start i'll start over then okay. let me let me okay <laughs> so you didn't hear me say that Sherry's not jealous of the fact that you, you know, about the fact that I just love you terribly, but I can't compete. <laughs> but as you and I, and, and we both do. We both, but we, and, and but let me tell you, I can't compete with Stevie Wonder because I was telling people, <laughs> I was telling people, I saw a video right. uh, uh, when, when Stevie Wonder serenaded Lillian Gregory on her birthday over the phone, right. Over the okay. phone. Yeah. Over the phone. Yeah, he's in California where he lives, and I was here. And he uh, sent it right to me. <laughs> See, I, I, I can't compete with that. It's just no oh, way. Yes, you can. You I, no, I can't. Can. She, she garners that love and respect so widely among everyone. How wonderful hearing well, but, your voice. But let me, let me, since I got both of you, Sherry and Lillian, on. Okay. And let me, and let me, let me say that, that Sherry. I, you know, would I be out of place if I said that Lillian Gregory is a role model to you? Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. She <laughs> married and went in, into this relationship with Dick Gregory early in life, and it has long served until his passing. And Lord knows it has been <laughs> a wide-ranging relationship just from what we see heard and certainly this documentary points out but oh Lil, boy 
Oh my goodness. <laughs> what you brought to that, what dignity, what support, mm, what support you. that you have, you gave to him. And that is what this leadership needs. Oh, boy. You, you Thank know, you. I, I don't you. feel that I deserve that, but I certainly oh, appreciate it very over. much. <laughs> but let me let me ask you, when you first saw the, the documentary, and, and Yonce, I'm going to ask you the same question, mm-hmm. and thank you for coming on. Right. And again, I know that you know there's going to be multiple interviews uh, as, this, as Showtime puts this out. Right. Was there anything, Lillian, that surprised you uh, when you saw the documentary? I mean, I was just truly amazed. I thought it was just really wonderful. And one thing that was funny, the first time, even though uh, Andre had came to where we used to live here in Plymouth, at yeah, Tower Hill Farm, that's where they actually did the interview with me and a couple of the kids. And uh, when I first saw myself on the screen, I kind of jumped, and, and because I had totally forgot that I had been interviewed. And, and just to see myself on the screen when we saw it in D.C., you know, I just was, I said, oh, a minute. Now, how did they get that of me? <laughs> but anyway, it, it was uh, mm-hmm. it was just a wonderful tribute to him, and, and just uh, all I know, he was the man that I met and fell in love with, and loved until the day he was taken away from here. And uh, it was we we had a wonderful life, and it's so funny. People would say sometimes. Uh, well, uh, Mrs. Gregory, Dick was gone all the time, wasn't he? And I said, yes, but evidently he was here now and then. We did have 11 children. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that brings up, if I can chime in. Yeah, go ahead. You, you, it, it, see, it seems like you were a single parent for a good share of that. And yes, for your right. fiance, Pretty it much. seems like, you know, Lil was the reigning parent. <laughs> oh, very definitely, single. right. You know, so so for those two, from the wife and from the son's point of view, that's a very interesting thing. I hope they'll both each speak yeah. to that. <laughs> yeah, Yancy, yeah, anything surprised you in comment on what Sherry just said? Uh, you so, know, really, because I, you know, I don't know. See, I'm, I'm the youngest of 14 children. Oh, <laughs> so, no, I didn't know that. Yeah, Wait a minute. You yeah, had 14, yeah, 14 siblings? 13 uh, well, siblings? I'm, I'm 14. I'm number 14. And uh, my father was a Baptist minister. We all grew up in Ohio. And then later on, you know, and different ones moved different places. But uh, yeah. And he was an absolutely wonderful, wonderful human being. My mother, my father was Reverend Christopher Smith. My mother was Miss. Sadie Smith, wonderful, wonderful parents who were just top-notch and how they raised us. I was only uh, six when my father died, but when my mom died, I was uh, grown and had several of my own children. But anyway, I just loved the family that I grew up in, just so uh, grateful to God for everything. And just, uh, just to me, they were wonderful, wonderful parents. I got to ask you this question, though. This is yes. it. Just there's so many. So, what did your what did your parents? Well, who? Well, see, were your parents alive when you married Dick? No, no. My father oh, okay. died when I was just six. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, but my mom, mother, I was okay. definitely grown when my. Uh, I mean, I was grown. Yeah, I understand. I mean, yeah. when my when when uh, my my uh, mother when but, my yeah. mother died. Uh, yeah. I had had all my children, and she would, uh, you know, we were living in Chicago then, and she would come and visit, and mm-hmm. it was so funny, uh, the small town in Ohio that that I grew up in, uh, different 
black people that live there would come to our house and say, oh, Mrs. Smith, uh, I hear your daughter married Dick Gregory, and I saw him on TV. And then this one, uh, he was a family friend, but he was a younger guy. He liked one of my older sisters. And he said to um, my mother, he said, uh, Mrs. Smith said, do you actually know Dick Gregory? <laughs> my mom <laughs> said, what do you mean that he's married <laughs> to my daughter? Of course I know him. <laughs> I was at their wedding and, and just uh, different things like that. But yeah. it's 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 all been good and under God's grace, that's for sure. Uh, yeah, Hansi, thanks for coming on. I so appreciate uh, you. And, and, and so did anything surprise you? And could you respond to what Sherry uh, said in response sure. to how he, she views uh, your mother? Sure. You know, um, first, good morning, Joe, and always, always a pleasure to be here. And, you know, while I do this, uh, you know, interviews, speaking, you know, that, one of the things I always say that uh, about my father, um, and you kind of mentioned it, of uh, 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 Sherry, about, you know, him kind of the, uh, him not being around in that single parent piece is, is that even though my dad sometimes growing up was home, maybe, Maybe 90 days out of the year, maybe less. His presence was always there, like everywhere you looked. So it didn't feel like that. And even with my mom, you know, and I'm, I'm and it's amazing, Joe. You don't know how unique this is, uh, and it's very rare. It's because of her relationship with you that she's even on the phone. Because you can you can search the internet for decades, and you'll hardly come across an interview with Lillian Gregory. So this is a rare gem right here. Oh, I know. That's why, her, I, hey, hey, know, that's why I wanted to was, do it before. Hey, hey, Yanti, that's why I decided to do it before the rest of Sirius XM caught on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, this is, I, go, I go don't have anything to say with this. But, you know, with her, even with our dad being gone that long, right, I would say probably at least six hours of the day, they were on the phone together. Middle of the night, 3 a.m., and just like it's displayed in the documentary. And as you know, anybody who ever needed to find out anything about Dick Gregory, what did he say? Call Lil. Call, Call Lil. Lil. Call Lil. Lil. And so, you know, whether it was 3 in the morning, you name it. So the thing that I think the one thing that there wasn't anything that necessarily surprised me, um, the things that stood out as unique was, one, seeing not the current interview with my mom, but there was an interview from decades ago that they showed from the house in Tower Hill Farm footage of that I had no idea, no idea. The other thing was, is what somebody mentioned, which was just similar to my own experiences, is because our father's life and career was so vast and so broad, there was always something where, as his son, you would run into people and they would tell you an story or an experience that they had with him directly. And Joe, you've told me a few of these yourself about experiences you had with my father that I'd never heard before or that I would mm -hmm. have never known. So whether it was, I remember being at Howard and on several occasions when people found out who I was, they would say, Hey, listen, wow. You know, I just want to say, introduce myself and say, thank you. I said, I was like, thank you for what they're like. You have no idea who I am, but, your father is the reason why I'm here in school or your father paid for not just me, but all of my family to go to college. Your father paid for my sister to go to medical school. I mean, that was something that not only I, but several other of us have experienced in our lives. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just 
that example of, and that was something that was, you know, not only was it not national news, that's something that me as his son never knew, you know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it was always, but, it, but, but, it, you know, with my mom here, the, one of the things that I think really comes across is the team and the partnership that that was. And so if anything that was, you know, Dick Gregory did this, well, who was writing the check? Lillian Gregory, you know, just to think of for somebody. And as we said, not only, a wife who has gone through all of the ups and downs of what our civil rights leaders have. And, you know, one day, you know, hopefully the, not only the movie, but the book will be written about the mothers of the movement and what they've gone through, mm-hmm. right? Not only raising, you know, bearing 11 children, raising 10, not only all of that, but then also being their right lockstep with all of the social activism that our dad was doing as well. So all of those decisions, all of those actions, all of those things, and, and Sherry, as you mentioned, you know, with with my mom, that incredible support role, you know, this isn't somebody who came along after the millions were made. This isn't somebody that came along after the, you know, the, 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 uh, the fame was there. My dad would often say, he said, the book hasn't been written. He's like, y'all don't understand, you know, and, and for him, to know that, you know, mm-hmm. some people have heard about the fact that, you know, and my dad talks about it, he talks about in the movie and the documentary of going from, you know, when he got the call from the Jack Parr show and he said no initially about going on the show because it was going, it, because Jack never had uh, black entertainers come and sit and have a conversation. They just performed and went on. And he knew, you know, at that time, he was making like fifty dollars a week at the small uh, uh, comedy black comedy club in Chicago. He said, you know, that he knew that being on that show knew he knew that meant going from making fifty dollars a night, I mean fifty dollars a week to five thousand a night, right? And we know he had the gumption to say no, not after he had already made millions, but while he was still broke. However, the other side of that. And that that power and strength that allowed him to say no with being married and having Mm -hmm. two daughters is because of the fact that Lillian Gregory was working as the secretary at the University of Chicago and holding that down. Right. And so that story, I think, is just so important. You know, when we talk about what the role of not just individuals, but Mm -hmm. couples have played in the story to be able to say like and, and like my father said every time he was able to say yes to something in a heartbeat whether it was to being you know in mississippi with medgar evers whether it was to turning over a check that was needed to pay the mortgage uh to, to support some human rights cause is because he knew he had the unwavering support of the real giant mm-hmm. in his life lillian gregory Yes. And, and, you know, I've got to tell you, it's like listening and, and you're talking about being a role model. There's a couple of things, if you don't mind. What you just described was is Sherry. And mm-hmm. I mean that. I mean, because there was a time. Remember when I got fired? We went, we moved yes. to, to Philadelphia. Yeah, and from the, I mean, I'm living in Detroit. I'm all right. Everybody knows who I am. And Dada mm-hmm. moved to Philadelphia. In 90 days, I end up getting fired. And what well, for a year? Right, for a year, and and uh, but Sherry, and you went out and shoveled snow in another neighborhood, <laughs> shoveled snow to make no, really. dollars, no, seriously. to make some to so, make money. So, you, so I say that, and and I and I say that that there are people 
angels who are on this earth who are masquerading as their people. You know, <laughs> your little masquerade I mean, as a person. And so, she's really yeah. an angel here on earth, so, and the contribution her children have made. So the question, <laughs> the question then, Lil, was you what what attract? See, this is what did not in, in really get in the movie. I mean, there's a hundred things didn't get in the movie because mm-hmm. Beyonce. I got to tell you, your father. And we would walk and talk. There would be people see us mm-hmm. walking in the park, <laughs> and they would say, "Can yeah. I walk with you?" And mm-hmm. and it's not my place to say no. Dick said, "No, you don't want to be part of this conversation." <laughs> and 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 and, uh, and and I'm going to say this to you guys, all ten of you. Um, he would tell me about all 10 of you. It was, he said, and he had admiration and love. Now he may, maybe he wasn't around for this time, but he knew each of you so well individually. Let me tell you about this daughter. Let me tell you about what this son is doing. Let me tell you, he was, he was so cued into who you were. So then this leads me, Lil, to ask you, mm-hmm. how, how, 10 children, mm-hmm. how did, what, what was it, how did you, I mean, how did you, con- well, you came from a family of 14, right? <laughs> how did you control 10 children? Well, relatively I, young? I, I certainly did have help, but at the same token, it was. I truly in, enjoyed my whole life with my children. It, it, it just after I met him and fell in love with him, and he was doing this and he was doing that, and I just uh, supported him in every way. And uh, just it, it's just that's how it was. It just as time went on, it didn't seem anything unusual about it. But of course, coming from a big family anyway, and a small mm-hmm. and a, a, a real, relatively poor family, but just. Uh, I don't know. Just I guess just knowing God was in charge all the time. So and what just, attracted uh, you? What attracted you to Dick? Obviously, it wasn't money because okay, Johansson. No, Johansson said uh, you know. he was working at the Esquire. He was doing a private show there, and I was working at the university. And and um, one of my my other sisters, Martha Smith, who lives in uh, uh, Cleveland now. Uh, she. Um, uh, she and a friend of hers uh, said, "Oh, they're having some talent show at the at the Esquire Club." I had never even heard of the Esquire, and she said, "You guys want to go?" And I said, "Oh, sure, let's go." And that's when I first laid eyes on him. He's sitting up on the stage playing a bongo drum and telling jokes. And uh, and then uh, at uh, one of the times when something else was going on there, he came over to the table and started speaking to us and asking them why did we come, asking us why did we come to this event. And then, uh, and then he wanted to know, you know, what we did for a living. And we told him, you know, we worked at the university. And that's like when I first laid eyes on him and then uh, and just got attracted to him right then. And then uh, later, uh, maybe a week later, one of my sisters from Ohio, we, um, we, I said, you want to go to a nightclub? She said, oh, sure. I said, well, let's go to the Esquire because this cute guy, is uh, he's the comedian there. <laughs> and one thing led to another. And... <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> this cute guy. Well, now we yeah, know what attracted him. <laughs> now we know yo, what attracted I've got to inject something here if I please, can, right? Please. And this is one of those stories. Can you hear me fine? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're coming loud yeah, okay, and clear. Yeah. This, this, is, this is one of those, you know, we have the ha-ha smiles and jokes. But this just goes to show 
the strength of this here, okay, and the realness that you don't see and no movie can depict. So, you know, it's always funny. How do I remember how long my parents have been married, right? Uh, Because it's the same number of years as my oldest sister is old, right? So, you know, yeah. Oh, that's right. Sure. Hey, listen, you know, yeah. Uh, So my my sister was my my parents were born. My my parents were born were married in February of fifty nine. Right. My sister, oldest sister, was born in May of '59. Absolutely, so Michelle. He, so he's saying, yep, yeah, Michelle. So he's saying now, they got married in the apartment of my uncle, who was a, a reverend, who my mom was living with at the time. So now he realizes, okay, well, married and uh, my wife and about to have a daughter. So I need to get a place together. So on, you know how they spent. So they get married in Chicago. He determines that in order to get his stuff together, instead of, you know, my mom going home to Willard, Ohio, that he's going to have her stay with his sister in St. Louis while he's getting the house and all of that together back in Chicago. You know how they spent their honeymoon? Mm -mm. They spent their honeymoon on a bus, on a a bus in the middle of the night from Chicago (laughs) to St. Louis. Louis. Now, mind you, here is a man who didn't realize the two years from there would be the highest selling comedian, not black comedian, but comedian in the country. Here's a man who's just married a woman. She's what, six months, five months pregnant at that time. And all he can afford is two bus tickets, one to bring him to bring her, his pregnant wife, to his sister's house in St. Louis, who she's never met before go there and turn right back around because and take another bus back because he's got to be in work the next day or he's working at the post office in a factory. See, that's the story of black love and black uh, uh, couples and black families that isn't told enough. That's that right. what he was willing. We, we talk about no-count fathers and fathers not being there, that this man who didn't grow up with a daddy, who literally, you know, I tell people, Papa was a Rolling Stone, was written to describe my grandfather, my father's father. But yet, all the times he could have turned his back, when, mm-hmm. and when he had nothing, okay, not when he was a big and had all these multi-millions and this, that, whatever. That's the story of black love, of black men, of black fathers, of black couples that is not told often enough. And, I, you know, it wasn't until maybe three years ago that my mother told me that. And I could barely keep the tears away because it just shows the strength of who and, they were. And you and know you this, you heard this three, before, wow, Joe, three because, years ago. you know, wow. being around my father, he's yeah. always said the two most powerful things, not in our community, but this country, was the black church and the black, and the black woman. woman. And, yep, you know, over and over anybody again. who knew Dick Gregory, they, they knew of his reverence for the black family and the black woman. Let me let me ask you uh, how and this is how difficult or was there difficulty and and I know I'll get an honest response and and I would if if I had to do interviews I'd do it with all ten children I really would individually I'd sit down with all ten um, how difficult how difficult was it or is it was it being a uh, a son, a, a, a child of Dick Gregory. You know, I'll tell you this. Uh, for me, it was easy. Yeah. <laughs> and the reason why is because of the incredible sacrifice, not only that my parents made, 
but that my siblings made. Remember, again, with me being the youngest, the greatest gift, I tell people this all the time, the greatest inheritance that our parents gave us that's worth more than trillions of dollars was a front row seat of humanity. You know, so everything that we've talked about that my father's done and my mom has done, that was really instilled in all of us. So from my older siblings, you know, for many of them, my older sisters, it's hard to call them sister because they were more like an aunt than a sister. And, you know, um, you know, Sherry, when you mentioned about the fact of, you know, our dad being gone so often, and I was saying that his presence loomed everywhere so much, I would say at least as a child, half of what I learned about Dick Gregory and what he was about was through my older sisters. You know, they took to, you know, what he was doing around the world, and they made sure that we knew that. So, you know, we were, we were telling some funny stories, and, 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 and again, if they're, you know, the day and age of reality shows, if there was a reality show back then about growing up Gregory, you wouldn't believe it. You would swear it was scripted. I mean, the things that we did and the fun that we had growing up in Plymouth, Massachusetts here, you've got this group of young folks coming from Chicago. And I often say jokingly that when we moved to Plymouth in 1973, that we integrated the town, but it literally was like a force. And I, I laugh and joke that I remember when I first entered the eighth grade, and it was the seventh grade when I went to middle school, and it was the, the dean of the junior high school, when he heard my last name, he literally trembled and said, are you the brother of Lynn Gregory? And I said, yes, <laughs> because Lynn, like Michelle, was so notorious. Lynn and Michelle, the two oldest, when they were in Chicago at 12 and 14, were the leaders of all boy gangs. They were the only, not only were they only the only girls in the gang, they were the leaders of it, okay? So you drop them God. in Plymouth, Massachusetts? I mean, Lynn led without even planning to. I mean, the kids just followed her, our sister Michelle. She still holds records in the state of Massachusetts to this day from the 1970s in athletics. So, I mean, literally it came in and swept the town like a whirlwind. And, you know, so that presence of being a Gregory was felt at every point. So even though, you know, you know, I really didn't experience so much of what my father was like firsthand until I was a little older and then traveling with him in the summer and mm-hmm. breaks off. But mm-hmm. because of the fact that that generosity and that just that human, that human trait was passed down to all of us, for me, it was amazing. Now I'll say for my older sister, the siblings and I, and, and I like what you say, like if you were to interview us each differently, because mm-hmm. they had different experiences. You know, they did. no one yeah. dared yeah. think about saying something racist to me in Plymouth, Massachusetts, because my sisters and brothers had already cleared the way. But what was their experience? <laughs> it wasn't the same. It was a lot harder, yeah, but they would yeah. never let me know that. You know, let me, let me, let me, because we could spend an hour doing this. And I know, and you know, Lil, and I'm going to say this again, everybody, please, I don't know how you, how you handle your smart TV, but you know, <laughs> you got to, you, you got to get ready July 4th, showtime. Right. You got to see it. And I got to tell you, I've seen it twice. Okay. And every time I always, a couple of things happen. I hear something different, Mm -hmm. but I also know the backstory. Right. uh, To a lot of things that I know Andre could not put into the, uh, to the, uh, 
uh, to the yeah to could not put in the film. But let right. me let me see if I can close with one final observation. Okay. And somebody once told this to me, and and that is there is a distinction between one's reputation and one's character. And somebody once said, what's the difference? Mm -hmm. And somebody once said to me, reputation is an estimation of what people think of you. Mm -hmm. Character is a combination of qualities Mm -hmm. that you possess. And as I watch this documentary, and both of you, if you don't mind responding as we close out, what was... It, it, and when I watch, it, it, this is my advice to young people. Dick Gregory had a reputation because everybody had an opinion. But it was nothing more than an estimation of what they thought of him. Mm-hmm. But here's what came across to me in that movie. What Andre did was he captured, I thought, the character of Dick Gregory. The combination of qualities that he possessed. So my question to both of you, what how do you what was Dick Gregory's character? Johan say you want to answer that? Yeah, I'll I'll take the lead with that. Uh he said it all the time. Being loving and lovable. I mean it's it, it sounds simple and he said it so often, but that's what it was being loving and lovable. And he was a person who literally, not because it was trendy, not because it was popular, not because it would get him likes on social media. He truly loved his fellow human being. He truly spent a life. And and, and as you said, the story, you know, you can only capture but so much in a movie, but even those times that he demonstrated that growing up and, you know, things he fought for in St. Louis as a child growing up. And then when he was at SIU in college, you know, it was that, and and you say it perfectly, that was his character at his fundamental core was being loving and lovable. And that was expressed by how do I help my fellow human being? Hmm. And and Lil, do you want to add? And one thing about him, one thing about Dick Gregory, he had no problem asking anybody to borrow money. <laughs> I don't care who it was. He would meet somebody, you know, that he thought they'd be able to help out with this or that, or some civil rights or some, some money he maybe he needed. But he had no problem with asking anybody he had met for a few days, "Hey, uh, can can you loan me such and such?" And that that was, uh, and he had no problem with it because, and he would give it away. He knew he was going to use it for a good purpose, and 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 he just so many times we were behind on rent this that and other and he said oh don't worry i'll get it from somebody and or somewhere and uh and and you got used to that and and it just everything worked out okay you, you know i'm going this i'm going to close with this lil okay see you know we we we, we shouldn't be telling these stories <laughs> dick, dick you are right I'm, now look, I'm in, in awe, of Dick Gregory. I mean, I, I sometimes I think I'm a. I'm, we a lot of us think this way, like we're that eleventh child or that twelfth child, with you know that twelfth child. <laughs> but <laughs> you know, really, Dick, you, know, you know, I gotta tell you, your auntie and, and Dick came up to me and said, "I need to borrow six hundred dollars." 
Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And and it wasn't like Joe, and there was no long explanation. Right, right. It was no, he didn't, I I didn't even ask you what it was for. Right, right. Mm. You know, look, the average person, I would have said, so what the hell you need $600 for? Right, really. With Dick, I said, oh, okay, no problem. (laughs) <laughs> and and never worried, and this is the other thing, and tell the truth, never worried about getting it back. I didn't right, make absolutely. I didn't care whether I got it back or not. That's because right. because I can tell you, whatever I got from Dick Gregory, it was a million times more than that six hundred dollars. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I was out this morning and I'll close out. I was out this morning. Watching, and he's got me in the hammer, waking up in the morning. And this mm-hmm. is a Dick Gregory quote, quote. He said, Joe, he said, what you should do in the morning is get up and watch the sun come up. Hmm. Yeah. He yeah. said, it's the most powerful star in the universe, and it doesn't make a sound. Right. It doesn't make a sound. It doesn't make a sound. Right. And 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 it's these little things with with Dick. I I can let me tell you. I can tell you stories of being locked up with him. That Andre. I I wish Andre had been, but <laughs> that were hilarious. But oh, I'm uh, sure. I I it, it, we'll we'll have to do that. You know, guys. Hey, hey, Lil, thank you so much. Oh, and, you are so and, welcome. Oh no, I mean, yeah, no, my honor. And and Johansi, um, you know, you know. I'm going to tell you, Dick thought the world of you because every time he mentioned you, Hansi, the word brilliant would always come out of his mouth. <laughs> My son, Dick Hansi. Now, that's a brilliant young man. That's a brilliant young man. There's nobody smarter than you, Hansi. And, and I say that. You may not have heard it a hundred times, but I did. Oh, and, and, and I think I thank you both. And, and again, July 4th, showtime. And then I can't wait to interview Christian and and uh, Andre, but, yeah. but that's a whole different interview. Okay. So th- yeah, so thank you. Give Paula my you. love and I Michelle and and, and, and right Grace. So right. Okay, Michelle, love you guys. Thank, thank you, you so, much. so much. Thank All you so much, Joe. I love you. Love your wife and and everybody there. Just thank you so much. Oh, Joe, can I say one thing? Sure. Uh, uh, one of a uh, good friend of our family who lives in Cleveland, Ohio, watches your show every day. She said, "Oh, Lil, could any way possible could you get me an autograph picture of Joe?" And I said, "Well, I'll ask him, and I want one too. If you can just oh, send two autograph pictures of yourself to me in Plymouth." We'll get we'll make sure I get it. Yes, I will get, okay. get the names. Give me the addresses. And just yes, give, I just will. Our address, uh, P.O. No. Box. Well, no, don't give it out I, on the air. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Johansi has our address. Of okay, course. I'll get it from yeah. I'll get and it from Johansi. If but, you could just and, and one one of them put it to Kim K I M and I'll the other one that. to Lil. I, 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 you, you can Cam count on it. If I was, if I, if I had the voice of Stevie Wonder, I'd serenade you. Okay. <laughs> thank you, and thank you all so much. Believe all right. it. You know, I'm not a person. I never like to speak uh, in public or anything, but I have truly enjoyed this, and thank you so much. God bless. You can listen to yours truly, Madison the Black Eagle, live every Monday through Friday on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.